I'm Brian. This is Reggie. And this is R&B Talks. It is? Well, yeah. We're going to talk? Well, of course. We do that very well, right? Like can I we, smoke my pipe, too? You can. Okay. You're allowed. It's your house, dude. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to say no. Especially since you made me this delicious coffee. Um, this stuff is... I'm a coffee nerd, man. I tell you that. Because that's... I mean... <laughs> That's a specific El Salvador light roast I like, and I've got my precision brinder that I know all the settings and all the stuff, and you know, I do a distribution and a tamp. So yeah, I'm really Dude, a nut job. Whatever you're doing over there, that's like Gondor, like Elrond the Wizard magic things happening over there. I know. You're just turning and spitting out water. Man, like, there's all kinds I've, of things. I've always loved coffee, dude. I mean, like it's been a thing. So coffee to me is like. I mean, it's just it's just like another hobby, to be honest. It, it, yeah. And it wasn't until it wasn't until him way in my career, you know, because I'm in my 40s now. But it wasn't until not five years ago when I could really do coffee like I wanted to because it costs a lot of money to get like machines and grinders and dude, everything good coffee. Costs. And I mean, I mean, it's expensive, dude. I remember when you know I like to play video games, and I remember when video games were affordable like you could get like the newest system and you weren't going to put out eight hundred dollars just to get started and now dude you got to have a grand to even get out the door with video games and that's tough especially if you're like a 16 year old kid you well, know i mean i am a gamer yeah. still but i i do i moved over to pc like a f- years ago yeah so when i first bought my when i first built the gaming pc well, I don't remember what year. <laughs> I don't remember when that was, but I think I put, it was a couple of grand yeah. that I put into the just that computer. And then, of course, you have upgrades you make over time. So I think overall, I mean, you're talking probably five, six grand in computer stuff over the years, and then just hardware, and then the games themselves. Like, and even now, it's more, it's even more expensive with games because some of them you buy off the front, some of them are free up the front. But overall, they're going to cost the same because the ones that don't, the ones that say they're free will have like season passes or yeah. they'll have like uh, whatever bundles and all that stuff. Or yeah, because you can't advance unless you buy the bundle. It's something stupid. Like Destiny 2 is one of the, my f- games I've played since it was it, since it started. It's been nine years, right? I know. I mean, I think I saw a video by one of the guys. It's like $800 for just the game you've paid for just the game, not counting if you bought any like cosmetic bundles or whatever, right? So it's like, it's a lot of money. Call of Duty. I play Call of Duty 2, or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the, particularly the DMZ stuff. Like the, it's an extraction looter shooter. And it's, it, <laughs> you buy the freaking cosmetic stuff and the bundle. But I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. I don't see how anybody that's younger can do all that stuff, man. It's just it just fathoms me because it's a, it's a shit ton of money, dude. Well, dude, I'm a I'm a Red Dead guy. I like, love Red Dead, bro. Okay, so I grind. I I was I've ground out Red Dead Two to get my stuff. Like I got all the top end stuff, but I had to grind to get it. And there are kids on there that have like four hours of gameplay, <laughs> and they have blown an epic amount of money. While I'm out here scrounging for quarters of gold bars and completing missions to buy my stuff and upgrade and 
you know, because I mean, dude, I'm raising kids. I don't have a fortune to spend on just blow it on video games, man. That's an expensive thing, you know. Even like like phone games, like it's even on there now. It's it's pay to play. I mean, even though it's the game is free to download and free to play, if you want to do anything, no. you, you're gonna pay, dude. Go, uh, what was the the one game I did get sucked into was Golf Clash, I think. Golf Clash. Yeah, it was this golf game, and you could. I don't know. I must. Have, I probably threw down some money on that one to to get coins and stuff and upgrades and, sh- and stuff like that because you were. It was a lot, and then I finally just quit. And I was like, <sighs> when they they took away because you could that you had to have, you have an overlay that yeah. you could do on your iPad, like you could bring it over and you had like a way you could tell the wind was going to be this and this and you could put the overlay over and you could go, well, okay, I got to aim here. Cause it was really complicated. Like how the, if you got this kind of elevate elevation or whatever, you make that change. Plus the wind is, does this and this, this, and you'd have to, cause I mean, it's not like real life where it's a game. So all this stuff is programmed in a certain way. And if you don't know what that certain way is, you can't aim your shot. Right. Yeah. So these overlays would do that. They would, like be like, and you, you know, I never used the. They had some that would aim for you, and I never did that. I just wanted to get the like calculation of like where, how, how much to adjust for. Anyway, they took all that away, and I'm like, I don't want to feel trying to figure this out in my head. I don't have time for that, yeah. so. dude. You know, I be, I got hooked on merge games. <laughs> like, it is amazing how much merging three items together becomes addictive. I think it's ridiculous. That's funny, but anyway, so. Let's talk about why we want to do this, man. Let's talk about what our purpose is. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, Reg, and then a little bit about what you want to happen from this podcast. Well, really, this is this is the this is a fruit of like I've been working on this for a while because I had Pipe and Red Beard was my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I did for a long time because, but it was it was really just th- would record a video, really didn't edit it, threw it up there, and done. Yeah. It's only just to share my hobby of like pipe smoking and cigars and stuff, and just talk a little bit about all that on a, on a. But it was there was no it was not on a schedule. It was really just whenever. Um, and then I went back to school, <laughs> and then that took all the time away I could do anything with it because I I had reached a point where it's like, look, if I don't do anything with this, I really need to like put some better production into it, edit some videos and all that stuff. So when I started doing that, it was too much time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't. Leading a global team of engineers and then trying during the day and then trying to be a dad and a husband and all this stuff wasn't going to happen. And I just kind of, I didn't like necessarily in the channel, but I just stopped doing videos. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that it was still there that, you know, there's so much, that is that I want to discuss on a public forum and not, not so much that I want to like, I have a goal of being like an on a personality or necessarily or, or whatever, but it's just, if I can share anything or, or help somebody with something in whatever little bit, I think that's just, I just can't, can't, can't not do that. And so this is really an attempt to, Take what knowledge I've occurred, what life experiences I have, my my mature maturity in my walk with with Jesus, and how that has that has that changed me and made me better. My experience as a husband and a father, and all that stuff to kind of be a be a different voice than what the 
major media has for men and uh, the populace in general and, and even Christian men. Because I think I'm not quite the way some of the churches have that be, but I'm quite a bit different than the the quote unquote progressive churches too. So that's that's my idea behind this is just to be real, have a compelling conversation about a subject that is rooted in truth, not somebody's perception, but actual reality of the world. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. Wow. That was a solid answer, Reggie, I have to say. I know, Brian, and I'm, I am so anxious to hear yours. For me, this is about kind of a threefold thing. Number one, um, we need to restore the ability for people who think, believe different things to be able to have conversation about those things without assuming that one side or the other is wrong, hateful, destructive, because if we can't have open discourse, we're never going to get anywhere. Um, the second thing is, is I think that the image of Christian men, men of faith, has been damaged so badly. And we're seen as, you know, I've heard everything from bigots to <laughs> to toxically masculine to um the ignorant to uh you know hateful uh, and and we're none of that um not if you're truly following god you are none of those things if you're truly following your path you're none of those things well let's be clear for a second if someone chooses to use the term cisgender anywhere on this channel it's not that i'll be offended but i'm gonna laugh at you hard yeah because i'm not cis anything no no i'm a man i'm just a man you know i mean yeah that's i'm a man i'm not a cis man or cis male or no that bull not no 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 well but i think and and part of that part of open discourse is is using our language in its proper form right like we need to when we begin putting labels on people, when we start calling people cis or, you know, whatever pronoun you, you want to use at that point, I think what you're doing is you are labeling yourself and the other person. Let's just start off by understanding that we're people and, and we're trying to have a conversation. And that's that's a great starting point, right? Like, you know, one of the biggest things I, I think is a mistake in the current version of our church is we're so quick to want to deliver the message well, there's, of there Christ, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're all naughty, Romans 3, 10 through 12. Like it. but That's the truth. Yeah. We're so quick to, to, to want to deliver the message of Christ, and that's not bad, right? I don't consider that bad at all. I have no problem talking to someone about what I believe and, and why I believe it. We forget to get to know people. And part of that is part of helping someone or giving someone insight into what we are, if that's all we wind up doing in the conversation, is is helping them understand who we are and us getting to understand more who they are. Which leads me to the third part of this. I have no problem telling people I grew up rough. Hard childhood, hard early adulthood, 
But in that, I was very blessed to have a lot of people come into my life, you being one of them, that I was I was able to find my way away from all that and discover who I am and, and, and my strengths. And, and, and I'm still figuring out who I am. I'm 40. I'm 40. I'm in my forties, man. I'm in my, and I'm still working all that out. Um, and if my story or, or my experiences in any way can help another person grow and become more of what they're meant to be, then I'm more than willing to put it out in the public discourse and let it go. Because at the end of all this, I'm not here to upset anyone, make anybody angry, make anybody hate me, or make anybody love me for that matter. I'm just here because I feel like that we have a bigger responsibility as Christian men to not only be heard and be truthful and be realistic and 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 all of the things that come along with that, but more than any of that, we have a responsibility to rebuild the image of what a Christian man is this, this damaged view of what we are. We need to rebuild that and, and make people understand that our job is to love and to help and to help in any way we can. And we have to, we have to, somebody has to step forward and be willing to talk about that and try to try to bridge that gap. So, well, and to help those, because this is obviously one, our first like venture into this whole R&B Talks channel, but I mean, to, so to help everybody here, I mean, so we're planning on episodes dealing directly with men. Like, what does it mean to be a man? What does that look like? What is that supposed to be? How is our experiences? Blah, blah, blah. We're, we're looking at, uh, uh, that's just, a, that's a whole entire episode dedicated to that. One being a husband, one, one being a father or dad, you know, what's that look like? I mean, all these things <laughs> are... They are so simple on the surface, but in today's culture, they're getting just either both watered down or lessened or just flat out being rejected. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think we both agree on about men today um, is that our, 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 our current culture is seeking to bring us down to make us less powerful, less of people and, and because of, for the sake of whatever social injustice you want to say, what the, without getting into it, the only, the only real world example I have right now though, is about that is that what happens when the shit hits the fan, what happens, right? And we have Ukraine to thank for this example. The women and children are allowed to go. Yes. Anybody who's an adult, able-bodied man, isn't, they have to stay and fight. In a, in a war that they don't want to be in. Yeah. So you have women and children, they're all allowed to go. And they're, it's not like they're turning around and coming back and going, oh, let me, look, they're, go, they're leaving. And they, yeah. they did. The men are the ones who stay back and fight. They're the ones who are, are dying for either Ukraine in this freaking conflict or whatever. So there's just, when, when it all comes down to it, when things get really bad, they're, there is no such thing as as like equality and all this crap. It goes back to men being men and women being support. Period. And that's the way it's always going to do when always going to be when society breaks down. Period. 
there are biological differences that make that. Then it's like I said, that's a hit. There's a whole bunch. We'll talk about that later. But but yeah, that's that's my view about all that stuff. So that's why I say cis crap. I don't really care. Like if you you, I'm not. I'm 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 a man. I'm a real man, and I was raised that way. And uh, I live. I lead my family. I lead my community as a man. And I'm supposed to, and I don't care what you say that will, you can't take that away from me. Well, and, and I think part of that too, you know, for me is as a man, I was, you know, my role as a man is to be a leader in my home is to, is to, you know, be a protector for my family, be a provider for my family. And I feel like those things, you know, especially as of late, um, they just seem to be taking this this nonsensical brutal brutal beating. Yeah, right. Like, how, why would I ever feel bad about loving my family so much that I'm willing to work as hard as I have to to whatever lengths I have to um to take care of them and and to provide something for them and to be a good husband and to be a good father. And again, I'm still figuring a lot of those things out. I think that's, I think it's a lifelong thing. I don't think we, I don't think, I think any man who gives up the student's mentality when it comes to being a better man and thinks that he's got it all on lock. Oh yeah. It, it, that's a fail. You, you always, you're always learning and engaging so, until so you die. What I believe is that, you know, those things are being brutally beaten. I constantly hear, you know, about, you know, well, the patriarchy. Okay. I don't know what patriarchy I'm a part of because I'm simply getting up every morning, you know, and doing all I can throughout the day, committing myself to anything I can to be a good father, husband, and provider. And I, I, I feel like I constantly have to, to, to constantly have to defend that just seems silly. It is silly. It's a waste of time. It's so silly for someone to look at someone and go, it's, I was, my, it's single mothers, you know, nobody's pointing out single mothers and going, well, you're working three jobs and yeah, because she loves her kids so much that she wants to provide for them, that she wants to give them opportunities. The same as me as a husband, I want to give my kids opportunities. You know, my wife works as well and we work together as a unit. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the success or failures of my family, but we still work as a unit. Right. Now, whether that's a single income household or whether that's where someone stays at home and someone's working or whether that's both of you working, you're still a unit. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the fails and successes of my home biblically. And I have to take responsibility for that. And I take that very seriously. And I really struggle when I'm pigeonholed into being a hateful bigoted <laughs> uh, it just i'm well, like look, dude I, I'm, I'm even farther than that than yeah. you are dude i mean because we my wife's a stay-at-home mom yeah and i i work which is absolutely nothing wrong with that no i think that's my, that's what my wife yeah. wants to do it's yeah. not like it's not like she forced into it or anything i mean she wanted to do that she wanted to raise our kids not someone else she wanted to be us yeah that did it and, uh, you know, it, she has the tougher job than I do. I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's like, 
man, there's so many things she has to do to keep the house, do this and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I mean, I work a lot, but it, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Well, see, here's the thing though. It's the dynamic you chose together. Well, yeah. So because you made that choice, you should be allowed to have that choice. Sure. Right. It shouldn't be a point of mockery or ridicule that you choose to do, you know, and one of the things that here's a lot, and then we'll get off on our subject. I know we've kind of gone on a rabbit trail here, but people make choices every day. Right. And, and one of the things that really bothers me is when I hear, well, you're living that, you know, 1950s role. No, I'm living, you're living as a, Man and wife who made a choice for your dynamic in our current time, and you're making it work, and you're doing a good job. Look, and, man, and, I mean, that, and so, so this whole thing of, <laughs> well, you're that's old hat, new. No, it, it, it's simply a, a choice made between a man and a wife for the dynamic of their family, what they think is in the best interest of their family. It's not a choice pointed at changing anybody else's lifestyle. If that was why you made the choice, you shouldn't have made the choice in the first place. It's a, it's you, you're a, you're a Christian family. You're a biblical family who chooses to take your family in that direction. And, and from everything I see, knowing you both, you do a fantastic job at it. Especially Look, it, in our modern age. It's like this, man. I mean, regardless of the socio-nonsense, whatever you want to call it, that you would have against that kind of thing with a traditional like wife who stays at home and all this stuff, the, the key here is that she's not as educated or as doesn't have a career skill that I do. So the odds of her going out and making a job, getting a job that would pay enough to pay for childcare mm -hmm. and and something else is pretty kind of. I mean, look, we we crushed the numbers before. It was like maybe we'd get him maybe a hundred extra dollars a month by her working full time because we'd have to send both our kids to daycare. some kind of childcare, daycare, yeah. whatever it is, which is repulsively expensive. Yeah, I mean, and and then you know we're. We're going to homeschool our girls next year. So, you know, we're not, you know, she's going to do that. So I'm not, that's because she can't. She's staying home. She's with our girls. She's doing that, right? Yeah. So, no, I don't have any, I, I get, you know, if you want to have an art, if somebody's art, used to be a problem with people would get on, say some snide remarks about her and her way she does, you know, she's chosen and that was, you know, I'm some kind of, overbearing you know like roar and i'm like well yeah i am and i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm not sorry i'm scary because i'm supposed to be that way but you know my wife is she'll she'll tell you that this is this is her way yeah. this is not it's not just i made this choice yeah she wanted this before she did i did we just came together and that was just a common thing <laughs> wasn't it jordan peterson said that there's no virtue in a weak man there's oh, virtue no, there's virtue in a man there's virtue in a man who is a monster and can control that, yeah. that's virtue. Well, there's strength in controlling the monster in you. Yeah. There's no strength if you're not a monster. Yeah. You just you just can't do it. So you're there's no there's no effort there. Yeah. But yeah, if you 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 must be a dangerous there has to be some kind of danger in you. And and really what he talks about in that uh, in psychologically is that, you know, in any conversation 
or argument or whatever, there has to there's an undertone of violence that's there. So if it goes too far, there's a there is. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that's part of it. But we'll talk about that when we're talking about yeah. being a Okay. Well, now that we've rambled on about ourselves, let's get to our subject. Um, Well, we're talking about manhood, right? And that's part of what compromises our our worldview. So when we talk about worldview, that's what we're going to address today is like, we're we're men, we're biblically sound men. Mm -hmm. We believe the Bible is the way, the truth, and every, I mean, it's um, inerrant, and it's complete. So all those things are part of our worldview that we see the world. Yes. So, and it goes even farther than that, though, because even between us, me and you, Brian, we, we're going to have a slightly different worldview because of the way and where we were raised and how we were raised yeah. and the experiences that we've had. Those all encompass into our real, our perception of the world too even our educational backgrounds you're you're a far deeper educational background than i am like you're i mean you're you're getting a master's you're you've been in school you're you you're going well i don't know I mean, if i'm getting a master's i'm still doing bachelor stuff right now yeah but i i don't see you not going <laughs> dude come on all right reggie i know a lot about you but one thing I do know about you is you're going to complete the map, right? You, you don't play Zelda and quit halfway through, right? Like you're going to get all the way to the end of the game. That's the way it works, right? So, um, but I mean, I think, you know, educational worldview. I mean, I I don't have, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I didn't finish high school. I got a GED. Um, there were circumstances in my life that called for me, mostly out of my control that I had to do what I had to do. But I since then have, you know, amongst my many certifications for my many jobs i have a you know have uh gym certifications and gold certifications and jewelry certifications and i also have you know training and nutrition certifications and because i love to educate myself and i think part of that came from getting starved of it at one point right like i was i wasn't given really a choice and in that in that situation I now at this stage in my life, I just soak up anything I can. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm rekindling my love of reading. I'm rekindling my love of, you know, education. I spend a ton of time on AMA websites, American Medical Association, just because I want to learn, you know, to be better at what I do and who I am. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly reading, you know, biblically and reading about, you know, lately I've got this, you know, thing about reading about the history of the church, history of the American church and how, you know, Christianity kind of developed through the years and and how the denominations developed. And all that's really interesting to me now, because I want to know, I want to understand, you know, I want to be a complete, but also side note, if you see this video and you're mad at me, keep it to yourself. (laughs) I'm not going to have a yelling, screaming argument with you. If you want to sit down and have some civil discourse with me, put it in the comments. Thanks, man. Go ahead. Uh, If you want to have, sit down and have a conversation with me, I'm more than willing to talk and, and meet you where you're at and, and have a conversation. But if this is going to be one of those things where you're attempting to bring derisiveness or drama to me, uh, just know that I'm not, I, I won't respond because not because I'm afraid of it or I don't want to, you know, I've had my, points of where I've had to, you know, engage in those things, but I don't want, I'm at a stage in my life where my interest is in helping people and talking with people and, and restoring civil discourse. And I have no desire 
to be conflictual purposefully. So, but anyway, worldview. Um, so give me your definition of worldview, Rich. Tell me kind of where you see your overarching definition of worldview well, for the average person. There's a, uh, <laughs> worldview really isn't complicated. It's really just how you perceive reality as it is. Yeah. So there, and, and there are certain aspects of that. Like you're, if you have a, a religious affiliation, uh, your experience, all that stuff, how you perceive and answer questions about what's going on. That's your worldview. Yeah. Okay. So what I, here's a good example. The Sound of Freedom <clears throat> movie came out, right? Mm -hmm. We went to see it. It's fantastic. You should go. It's freaking brilliant. And while you would think that child sex trafficking is something that everybody could agree on is bad, mm -hmm. there was an article written in The Guardian that was kind of like saying it was a QAnon piece and conspiracy. all conspiracy yeah in no. all this stuff no so so that's 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 the level of idiocy we live in today where, where we can't even agree on child sex trafficking as being wrong or that why wouldn't that be heralded as a good piece of, of filmmaking to bring that situation to light and it's it, that that right there is a true example of a far difference of worldview from what we see it, what I see it, and then what some others would see that. There's a there's a reason why some people could see that worldview and or with their worldview go, well, we need to change pedophiles to minor attracted persons. Well, you're trying to lessen it so that you can enable that kind of activity, and that's that's part of your worldview, and you see that as okay. I in no way see that as okay, and would would put <laughs> would violently react to somebody trying to do that to my family right yeah so so there like the key though here's a really big thing is that it doesn't matter even if you grew up next to someone who looks like you who is the same religion same thing I'm sure your probably your perception of reality is going to be about the same but there's still going to be some differences so the key thing about how we see everything around us is that no matter who you are, there's going to be something in common, but there's also no matter who you are, there's going to be some differences. Yeah. And, and dealing with those is, is vital for a healthy civilization to flourish. Right. And that's part of what you were saying before is that the, uh, <laughs> the, the way we just, avoid discourse or that it's like this evil thing anymore to have an argument. And it's really a shame because that's the, that, that's the way you can grow or, or like shape your opinions and stuff by hearing different, um, different viewpoints. Yeah. But we believe as part of our worldview that there are absolutes though. Like there are, there's the, the, the reality that a Christian man sees the world is from the lens of how God has created the universe. So his truth is is the truth, the reality, period. When we look at things like either whether it be like uh, what marriage is or how a man and a woman is supposed to be or how you're supposed to handle your finances or how you're supposed to do any number of things that the, the Bible's very 
uh, clear about, those are absolutes for us. Whereas in uh, some other of our secular people will say those are really relative that, you know, someone's personal uh, happiness is this or that, or that the, their self uh, is more important than this and that, right? And that's a huge difference between like a Christian perspective and a secular perspective is that we do have absolutes. <laughs> that's well, yeah. why we see things. And all that other stuff like morality is different and can be relative in a situation of the secular mind. Well, I mean, situationally, when we're looking at it, um, you know, I feel like that's something that's that in worldview that's been kind of whitewashed is morality. Um, you were talking about that, you know, with the child sex trafficking thing. I'll, I'll, I'll make it even easier. Um, we've, we've whitewashed facts with feelings, right? And, and feelings, don't get me wrong, feelings are a real thing. We have feelings, right? Sometimes we hurt for people. Sometimes we, but regardless of our feelings, there is a, a, a truth and a false. There's a true and a false. And we've begun to try to whitewash that into, well, there is no truth and there is no reality. It's, it is what we decide is reality. And, you know, unfortunately, um, it's not something that I'm willing to bend on, right? Like, it, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, feelings can be powerful, right? Um, you see somebody hurting, you see somebody who's experienced a great tragedy that can bring about powerful feelings, right? Sure. Uh, but those feelings, regardless of how strong they are, don't change the reality. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, an example. Um, <laughs> it's kind of random, but it's a good example. Um, the current um, climate warriors. Um, I understand that you feel like the world is in trouble. And if we don't make some changes, things are going to get bad. Um, I personally, I've done a little research. Honestly, I haven't done a lot. Um, but to destroy works of art to impede first responders from being able to do their job to to throw you know animal blood on someone to do the utter and, and let's be clear to do the utterly ridiculous acts that they do that doesn't change what the truth is. They're completely unnecessary and ridiculous. You can, you can tell me, you know, they, they love to use the example of, of suffrage. Well, yeah, but they didn't whack people over the head with stuff and throw stuff on people and destroy property and interrupt. They didn't do that stuff. They literally, if you go back and look at that, they, they did disruption, but they did, you know, chance and, you know, 
protests, but they didn't try to impede people's lives by doing it because they understood, you know, you and I would understand clearly that if, if, if I'm a Christian and we've seen many of them as a Christian man, when a Christian male goes out and yells in people's faces and calls them sinners and tells them that they're going to rot in hell and all the things that happen in that environment, you're not doing anyone any good. You're making people dislike you. And, you know, that to me is a, is a truth. As a Christian man, I'll tell you, I would never involve myself in that type of behavior. Now, would I go into public and have a direct conversation with someone about what I believe and be willing to have an open debate that was civil? Sure. But I'm not going to go out with a bullhorn and a sign strapped to my back that says, you know, you're going to go to hell. That's not going to do any good. No, no more than it's going to do any good to to shout someone down or to what people don't realize is by doing those things, you aren't really helping your cause and you're changing our worldview on you. And, 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 and that's something that I've realized over the last few weeks or so worldview changes in current time, right? We've seen that over the last four to five years from COVID to, you know, all the things that have gone on. There's real-time worldview changes going on. Well, okay, on that subject, just just to just to break for a second, we we saw medical research being weaponized during the COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. Instead of the research being like well done and everything else, they they would hide anything that that was different. And th this is all now public. It's not like I'm saying anything that's not, but you, you anybody who's yelling about masks or that or we were asking about vaccinations or whatever, I mean, all of the science was then just shrugged under the table or it was just, you know, it was manipulated to show what they are. And then, then a couple of years later, what's it come out that, oh, yeah, this is true, this is true, this is true. So it... it <laughs> We, we live in a world now where media outlets are not led by journalistic integrity anymore. They're pushing a worldview that has an agenda. Yeah, absolutely. So I know there's a lot of people, and especially some of the older folks, who only watch a certain news network or something. And uh, I don't watch any of them, to be honest. I don't watch a single thing. I'll I'll have if if there's an event or something I see, I just keep a, I keep aware of things by reading a god awful number of other things than the the freaking major news outlets, yeah. right? But that's just an that's just uh, that's a way that there's worldviews being weaponized <laughs> yeah. to to propagate to people and twist everybody's opinion. And COVID's a good example. Well, I mean, for me, um, I prefer reading my news because I can read without, I can read and easily discern what is opinion versus what is fact. But again, when we get into these situations where you're watching a media outlet report the news, you're not getting facts. You're getting op-eds is what you're getting. Uh, and I'm not watching the news for your opinion. No. I'm watching the news because I need to know the facts. Yeah. Straight facts, 
what's happening, when it's happening, where it's happening, and then leave me alone to 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 be a grown adult man and make up my mind about the situation, but, right? But see, here's a, here's another thing though about that. Just the way they structure a headline can elicit a certain absolutely feeling, yeah. and that's why I mean, there's a, that's another reason why feelings, quote unquote, are are much more important necessarily. That's what they say because. They want to elicit a feeling by what they're saying so that then you interpret that feeling as gospel truth. Well, yeah. Not that you look farther than getting some other information and see, but you're, they want people to, to get impacted by how they put a headline out there. And then that, that's what they want you to like just run with. Well, I mean, even it's looking nonsense. at, yeah, even looking at like one of the things, and I've noticed, I noticed this a lot there for a while they would put a very leading headline on something and then you would read the article and it would have nothing really to do with what the headline was. Right. The headline was a, was a 1% part of what the overall news feed was. Right. Yeah. And, and in that it's just misleading, right? It's just a, it's, it's a dodge and um, you know, worldview, you know, is a, we should have a structured worldview regardless of who we are or what we believe or what our affiliation is. And I think a lot of that should be based on actual research. Well, but the, the, the problem has been though, is that science is now agenda driven. Yeah. Like you don't have real, you know, it's, it's like all about, well, these people gave us this much money for this conclusion. So we need to make sure our research comes up with this conclusion. Yeah. You know that that that's where it's it's so not the the science I grew up with was yeah. like no it's absolutely about your hypothesis and your testing scenario and all this stuff to alleviate all this all these opinions and you yeah. wanted to get down it's all about the truth and the 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 results and all this stuff. it's not anymore it's no. it's it's dumb because you can find fifty freaking studies that say <laughs> all kinds of different things because the result is pointed towards a certain it's biased towards the funding is what it is yeah yeah i mean well and and here's another thing too i think one of the things that that troubles me about a lot of current worldviews are number one the student mentality has been taken out of it nobody really tries to go beyond the day i think we want to sacrifice being the stalwart for a lifetime someone who represents throughout their life and is remembered for holding their values and being a open person who's willing to learn for being the hero today. And what I mean by that is how many people have taken on a headline or, or a tagline or jumped on a bandwagon that they haven't done any research. They don't really, other than whatever the surface touches, know exactly what's happening. Right. But yet they dive in head first become stalwart in an opinion that may actually not be based in fact because they haven't done any research and i'm not saying and i'm not accusing any one particular person of being ignorant or being unable to defend their position but i can tell you that a very large swath of people have taken a worldview based on a very quick strike in a subject that doesn't have any research backed by it because they want to be the hero of today well guess what my, I don't want my legacy to be based on one day. 
I want my legacy to be based on a lifetime of Brian was, you can say what you wanted about me, but I was willing to do the research, look into what was happening, you know, you know, and a very interesting story about you, Reggie, and your faith. This was one of the th- reasons why I, I really kind of was magnetized to you because I asked you, I said, how did you become a Christian? And you said, I did the research. Yeah, it was. Totally you were like, that, I yep. did the research. I looked at other religions. I looked at history. I looked at, you know, the, not only the biblical truths, but I looked at, you know, where in history can we identify these things happened? And that was a huge draw to you because for the first time, and, and don't get me wrong, man, Christ has saved a lot of people through emotion and through heartache and through pain and through single events. And miraculous. Miraculous. Mm-hmm. But but you, you stood up and went, dude. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to find the truth. And once I find the truth, I'm going to stick to the truth. That to me says it, it goes miles for your character, right? In the situation as for someone who, and this is anyone, I, I'm not pointing at any subject who comes to me and, and brings to me something and says, Brian, I believe this. And when I go, why? It's, well, because I feel like it's the truth. Yeah. Well, there's a whole lot of people out there that can talk very convincingly. I mean, we can go through history. Jim Jones, Charles Look, Manson. E- even even some of the <laughs> televangelists, dude. Yeah. Dude, Are you kidding Crespo me? Dollar. Let's talk about Crespo <laughs> Dollar and how that man became what he is, right? Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really looking at, you know, I am going to listen to people who bring me substance. If someone comes to me and brings no substance, I'm not going to shout them down, but I am going to let them know until you have substance, I don't really want to have the discussion because it's going to become an argument from authority. And that is the worst possible place to have an argument from. And that to me is not a worldview. Because a worldview is your past experiences, your current experiences, your worldview is your research, your you're changing as a person. We grow as people. That changes our worldview. When you take a single shot and you pull to something with a single shot and no research, to me, that's not even a worldview. I, I don't really I really don't actually know how to describe that. But I, I, I feel like when we when we. I don't know when we're lazy in that manner, our results are lazy. Our lives are lazy and the things that come behind it are lazy. There should, you should never be defamed for having a worldview based on proper criteria. And I think that's, I think that's part of our current worldview issue is we have lived a lot of life in a lot of different ways. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is instantly dismissed at times. And, and that really brings me disappointment more than anything else. Right. So, you know, um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you, because I think this is a great medium for the discussion, right? If you could change one aspect of worldview and how people assimilate worldview 
would there be something that you would change? No, because that's not really, it's not about that. The the worldview is really not a method or a, or or even anything. It's really, worldview just means the summation of your experiences and your beliefs and how that's applied to how you perceive things and the, the events and whatever, right? So, you, there's really it's not about because that you would have to say if you're talking about changing something then that would be changing something of their experience or their beliefs or whatever mm-hmm. but you're that's not really what it's about you're because i mean everyone's perception is evolving all the time you're experiencing new things you're learning new things all these all those all that stuff compounds into how you perceive reality. So what the the one thing I would say is that I, I uh, it's you you can't allow yourself to be pigeonholed into one specific thing and not have the courage to challenge that sometimes. Even even in my faith, I'll still challenge it every once in a while and be like, "Hmm, let me," because it, 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 look, there's so many questions that that come up, or so many things that come up that you have to go look for and reaffirm. And that's kind of what Paul talks about. And um, man, what I think it's Tim- Timothy. I can't remember now, but he he says, always remind your brother of the gospel. Always remind. I mean, like he's talking to just these. That's that's what he's telling his uh, his leaders of the church and everybody. Always remind your brothers and sisters of the gospel and what he did on the cross. Always. So we always have to remind ourselves of that. And that's part of it because if we're thinking free-willed individuals, well, there's going to be a lot of of things that we encounter we're going to have questions about or uh, something we just don't understand how to deal with or whatever. We have to look back and we have to remind ourselves what Jesus did on the cross and like what that did for us, right? It's the same thing with the, like, if I was a secular person, I mean, I'd have to constantly be going, okay, what's the science behind this? What, what does history teach us about this? Or, you know, philosophy, what did Kant say? Or, you know, what, whatever, Bernard Russell, what did, what did he say? Bertrand Russell, sorry. Uh, what he say about this? You'd have to do that all the time about certain things. But that, that's if you're rooted in a secular mindset. But, the, you know, the thing about, um, <laughs> I'll say this though about philosophy. It's kind of funny that most of your secular philosophers, like that, are respected. I mean, you know, it was like the at the end of the at the end of the day, there's like no point in life. <laughs> there's no meaning. There's no purpose. Yeah. Everything dies. You're, you know, that's it. The meaning of life is to die. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. everything's gonna have to die of heat death eventually, and that's just you know, hey, that's the way it is. So live it up while you can. Whether it's mine is not. I, we we have a short, brief period of physical existence here on this plane of existence, and then from here we go on forever, and that is where our eventual home and place where we will have infinite things to accomplish for His kingdom. 
that's my meaning and purpose. It's all leading to that. It's not this life. It's all about the next. Do you think that's the part of worldview that we've lost? I think some of us in the westernized Christian community have lost a lot of what the worldview should be. Do you think it's that's the case in the general population, yeah. even non-Christian? Just that? yeah, because I mean, look at look at how we live in, in the U.S. right now. Like you can complain about all kinds of stuff about taxation and you know um, how, what the inflation and whatever. But at the end of the day, we still most of us don't struggle with feeding our families and like you know having shelter and you know clothes and stuff like that. We we have the basic necessities that absolutely necessary for life covered. I mean, that's pretty much, <laughs> you know, yeah, I volunteer for some homeless organization. So, yes, I get, I, yes, I do that. But that's a very, very, very small minority in this part of the country anyway that um, have that problem. So, I mean, there, there's not a quote unquote need. But if you do mission work and you go somewhere like third world countries where they can't find clean water, yeah. they can't, they struggle to find food or, close themselves or even have shelters and stuff, man, that there's, there's some God need that happens in those places. God moves different in those places that he does here. Like, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's not like he's, he isn't different, but we're a different people who have different needs. So I'm not saying that God changes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you, and and maybe it's just, you notice more, when there's not so much extracurricular crap around your life, then if you know, then when you're here and you have all this necessities built for you. Well, and I feel like that's the distraction, right? Yeah. Like that's the devil's game. Uh, I'm going to distract you. And, and let me be clear about this too. Um, you know, this is something that, that I've, I've wanted to say for a long time. And I'm going to say, you know, when, I've had a lot of people go, oh, the devil, you know, bifurcated tail, horns. Let's be clear. When I say the devil, I ain't talking about, you know, the guy painted red with the pitchfork. <laughs> um, I'm talking about the guy sitting across the table from you that you don't know very well. But he's making a whole lot of sense, even though you know somewhere within yourself what he's saying is wrong. Whether you call it the still small voice or God screaming in your head or whatever it is, that's who you're looking for, right? Like, I, I also think there's a lot of, I'll call it cookery that people apply to Christianity. Like, we believe in, you know, uh, you know, the devil and his rule. Oh, I mean, you've seen the cartoon stuff that people put out there, right? Um, but it's the devil is not, the devil's not a beast. The devil's not, he's the guy that's feeding you the information that's taking you away from what you know in your heart is the truth. And he's doing it in such a way to make it sound fantastic. Um, and and in, in, in that, I think that is part of my worldview in the sense of that's why I feel like discourse has gone away in our current, you know, environment is because he doesn't want discourse because usually when you have open, calm exchanges of information, the truth will come to the surface for a thinking person, right? For a person who's not, who's not acting irrationally from the heart or from the feelings, 
but they're using the mind that God gave them to think things through, they're usually going to come out on the end they should come out on. So the more noise the devil makes, the more noise that is made to distract us and pull us in different directions, you know, the more it's the more the the more the discourse and the worldview breaks down, right? The world the more the worldview becomes being the hero for that day. Yeah. Right? So the thing is when you when you talk about the devil, right? I think the the one thing that we have to remember is that Satan himself was a beautiful, like the most beautiful angel there yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tries to replicate what God has created. So where God has love, he has lust. Mm-hmm. So whatever Satan is, is not going to be some disgusting looking whatever. No, that that that's going to be an illumination of, you know, probably pretty magnificent i mean yeah that's the truth of it It, what he says i mean even when his interactions with like um with jesus and stuff i mean look he didn't say anything that was untrue he tried to get jesus to say things that were untrue by asking questions yeah so he look that's that's the truth he's the great deceiver and he's beautiful i mean that's what you that's what the that's the truth of it yeah so you know in our current world we have a lot of things that are beautiful yeah. That are pretty bad for you, you know, and uh, and and a lot of that's on purpose. I would go further to say we have a lot of beautiful, deceptively beautiful things, right? Like they're beautiful on the surface, but when we get to the core of them, they're right. rigged, you know. Right. Um, well, there's one thing that I really look. We we have a culture that even though they're trying to. You know, with, whether it's promoting a thing, we have a wage gap, or we do this, or we do that with women and men. Yet we're still prizing the sexualization of women. That's still held up by anybody as is like that's you know that's okay. I mean, yeah, look, at, look at advertising. Look at look at the music and the videos and all this stuff. I mean, are you kidding me? They're not wearing any freaking clothes and they're up there just gyrating around on stage, and yet that's held up and wins Grammys and stuff. What? No. <laughs> Don't tell me you're empowering women and you're going to sexualize them like that. You're out of your mind. And well, it's their choice. They should be be sexual creatures and all this. Give me a break. Well, for me, it's about choice and it's about defending choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we make choices all the time, right ones, wrong ones. Um, but when we make a choice usually choices that are made in that way and that are defended that way are choices made for the sake of profitability, whether that be profitability in uh, likes on Instagram or Twitter, or whether it be likes on Facebook or whether it be um, money or fame or, you know, but what people don't realize is there's a cost that comes along with that. Um, You know, and, and, you know, to say this about, you know, my wife in the sense of there's a reason that I am attracted to my wife. And and let me be clear, I am as attracted to my wife after many years of marriage as I was the day I met her. And the reason for that is because she has such a high level of self-respect, not only for me, respect for me, but self-respect for herself 
and the sanctity of our marriage that she chooses not to showcase that for people that are not included in our marriage. And she doesn't realize probably to this day how much I appreciate that. Because that tells me that that she understands and knows that we are married and, and there's there's that there's that that our marriage and, and 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 those things stay strong because we choose to do things that are within our marriage. Well, right? We honor like each not, other. Yeah, we honor each other. And then there's you know, and I think that's part of the thing, you know, that we forget is you know, we are, it is our job to honor our wives. Right. And, and it is, it, and it's vice versa. And, and, you know, people see the worldview of marriage, people see like a Christian marriage as some form of slavery. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, my wife, I, there is no one I respect on planet earth outside of God and Christ himself more than I respect my wife because she's, she has put in so many years of hard work in our marriage and, you know, so much of herself into our children and has been such a wonderful influence and is such a giving person and loving person. And we have our moments and our arguments and our disagreements and, and just like any marriage. But at the end of the day, we choose to, to love and honor and respect each other and live within the bounds of our marriage and do it happily. Yeah. You know, I think that part of the current worldview on marriage, too, is built on this, this happiness scale. Ha- ha- yeah. You know, we have forgotten that it's okay to feel our feelings, right? It's okay to be disappointed and sad and a little depressed sometimes. We were given these emotions to help guide us through the moments in life with with the proper reaction, right? It's okay to be, it's okay to be dismayed and confused and, and things like that. Those are all part of our spectrum, right? Part of, part of the things that God gave us to survive through this life. I, I've, I can tell you that through some of my most difficult moments in life, I've had the most growth and I look back on them and and they're terrible, but I grew. Look, man, here's the thing. You, you, We've forgotten duty. There is a duty that comes with being a husband, yeah. being a wife, being a parent. And that gets pushed to the side because we're not happy or there's not this fulfillment that we somehow made up that we absolutely need or something that's not going on. So yeah. we'll, instead of really working it out with our spouse, we'll just try to like, let's move on to a different one. And this is getting, I mean, and this, this is, I mean, the divorce rates in, Christian churches is not, <laughs> it's pretty high. It's not impressive. No. So, because, but yet I've, I've encountered so many people though, who've done it right. Mm-hmm. And like, they're not perfect. No one is, but man, they're, they're been married for 50, 60 years and they're still, you know, still a married couple. They're still living it out. That's awesome, man. I mean, you know, and that's the, that's the example. It's not the other you know, people have been married seven, eight times and, you know, going off about this or that. It's like, really, you got to, you stick to it and you work together. And because you, if at the, at the Christian, at the end of the day, the Christian way is that you're one flesh and you can't sit there and get all separated with yourself. And then that doesn't do right at all. So, 
you know, that's, yeah. But that is, that is a difference of how we see the reality of marriage. It's like, from a Christian point of view, divorce can happen, but it's, man, there's some, it's, there's only a couple cases where that's allowed, you know, I think. Period. Really. I mean, what? We got adultery. You got adultery we and got you got abuse. 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 Yeah. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, right? Like, I've met some people who have been divorced and in hearing their story, they have very good reason. You know, the husband, husband or the wife was unfaithful. Uh, the husband or wife was abusive and those are not okay things. Right. Um, but this, this thing of, you know, well, I don't love him or her anymore. Let's be clear. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. A lot of times. We, 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 even the best marriage, you don't wake up every morning liking the person you're laying next to. You have to work at it, dude. I mean, that's the thing. It takes work. But, but, but I think, I think a better word for, for marriage would be respect, right? We don't hurt or abandon or, or dislodge from the people that we respect. And I, I have a high level of respect for my wife. So, I would never choose a path that would tarnish the respect that I have for her. Um, you know, and I think that's part of the marriage worldview is, is this, 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 and, and if you notice when they say you need to have happiness, they don't ever really define happiness. No. They really just say, well, you you should, you know, whether it's money or whether it's, a new partner or whether, but they never really define happiness. Like if you were to ask the question, what is happiness? It's so, it's such a, just a cloud of ridiculous. Let's take that one thing a little bit farther. Let's just help this out from a Christian perspective. We see happiness as a fleeting thing and not to be sought after. Like it's good. It's not like being happy is wrong. But that's not the goal. Yeah. Happiness is fleeting, period. That is really the key to how we function in the truth of in it. And, and, and we look at suffering different. Yeah. <laughs> suffering is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Because what the Bible shows us is that in suffering, we're, we encounter him. And we grow. There's something that happens that is going to turn out for the better because we have faith. And it says specifically that God works for the good always. It's not that he will ever do anything for the bad. So everything that he does or allows to do is for the good. So we have, we, we encounter those things differently because of that. That gives us a hope that you can't have otherwise that. It no matter what comes across, we know he is there. We know he's working. We know as long as we stay the path and we walk those footsteps of Christ, that we will come out the other side one way or the other. But in the end, it's for the better. Yeah. And because at the look, once that freaking you know, once this whole universe goes dies of heat death, guess what we're going to be? We're we're in a, we're in a much better place, man. Yeah. We're having a, we're having a good old time doing what we're supposed to be doing forever. So I mean, that's the thing. That's that's a real big difference because meaning and purpose are drastically different from a Christian perspective than others. 
Well, I mean, and, and let's break it down to even a more base level, you know, and, and I and I'm quoting this and I cannot remember for the life of me who said this, but it stuck the, the phrase itself stuck in my head, you know. So let's take worst case scenario. You live your entire life. You're kind, you're forgiving, you're loving, you're understanding. You, 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 you fight for good and truth and you die and there's nothing. You lived a respectful, kind, truthful, loving existence the entire time you were alive and that will be your legacy. How possibly in any way could you find living a morally centered, loving growth existence where you committed yourself to your marriage and being a good husband and father and you committed yourself to the church and you committed yeah. yourself to helping people. Let's say we get to the end and we're all full of baloney and it's nothing there. Let's just say that. What have, what have you lost? See, but, but the thing is what, what they'll say and I'm talking from an atheistic, agnostic, secular, humanist kind of perspective is that you did not acknowledge the truth that there is a, that you could have done other things without that restrictiveness of religion being there. Okay. That's what they'll say. And that's what they do say. And the, the, at the end of the day, okay, okay, my, I might not have been able to be a gay man uh, for all my life. I didn't want to, and maybe I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't able to incur the, as much wealth. But again, money's fleeting. That you can always earn more. It really doesn't. You know, meh. It, it seems like a bigger deal when you don't have any. I tell you that. But I mean, at the end of the day, you can always pick up a leaf blower and go. Go to a rich neighborhood and blow some sidewalks off, and I guarantee you'll make some money. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like the arguments they they'll make some arguments against that, but it's to me they're pretty easily countered. But that's that's the that's what happens. And this let me let me step back and talk about this for a minute, you know, because you you said how I came to faith was important. You know, that worldview at the time was I had. Uh, I've always been an intellectual person and thought I was the smartest guy in the room all the time. I still have, I still struggle with humility. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be flat honest. I have an ego the size of a house and it's hard. For, it, it's a constant work to restrain the ego and the, uh, it, it just is. That's just, it's a fight I, I battle all the time. So, uh, thinking I'm the smartest guy in the room, always, always like that. I, I, I've always been able to digest like books just, rap, just rapidly, man. I, I, I can read very fast, and I can, I no, I won't memorize <laughs> lines of 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 stuff, but I'll, I'll remember all the points and like what it means and, and to the root of it. So when I, uh, when it was, when I thought, you know. I, I was Dallas for a while, like a kind of, I guess you'd call pseudo Dallas. Cause I was like, <sighs> I, I knew there were other forces in the universe other than just what we can see and feel. So I never was an atheist. I was always kind of a spiritual person, but the truth of it, I was disgusted by what the, 
the Christians I knew, how I saw them when I was a teenager. Hey, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And I hated the way the church was and just that kind of thing. And that does have a lot to do with ego and everything else too. But, um, so I didn't really like it that much. And then when I got to a point in my life, I moved back home after I got divorced the first time. And I thought, you know, this is a time when I'm by myself before I find the, the missus that I need. I need to figure out where I'm at spiritually. And, uh, and I thought, you know, an easy one to knock off the list would be Christianity. Cause I mean, it should be pretty easy to disapprove if the Bible's false, if all this stuff it should be really simple to just go through and knock it off. Cause that was it. I was like, this'll be, this'll be simple. And that was really what I looked at it. Like, this'll be easy. <laughs> I'll find the answer and be quick. Uh, I, I, when I did some looking around, it was like, I, I was looking for, I want to, I wanted to look for if anybody had been like a, something different and became Christian, if they'd done any research or whatever. And that I came across Lee Strobel, who was a editor for the Chicago Tribune or I forgot what big paper, I forget the big paper now, but uh, uh, he was wicked atheist and was like, he sat on a journey to disprove Christianity because his wife had become Christian and he, he wanted to disprove it. So the case for Jesus or the case for Christ was the first book I read. And it was his journey through his journalistic approach to dismantling the Christian religion. And he ended up can't cause he talked to the, he did like he was supposed to as a journalist. He went to the experts in the fields. Right. And so I read that book and I'm like, this dude's full of, Nonsense. There ain't no way. So what I did was I looked at his sources. Right. So I read that book and all the people he talked to, I read their books. Right. <laughs> so I read all their books. I'm not shocked. No. And, uh, and uh, I mean, it was all, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually going through like a, a crash course in Christian apologetics. Didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was, that was freaking digging into all these like core reading materials for like, <laughs> apologetics c.s lewis is is one big one too right and and so anyway there's a bunch of these and i I was reading it and then uh uh, let's see and then i and i was i was reading all this stuff and i'm like man this is this ain't so i'm not disproving anything i'm just finding proof that this is all real i mean historically and 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 (laughs) how their Bible's put together because I've always said there were contradictions and all this stuff. And then you read real scholarship texts that people study this stuff for their entire lives. And you're like, Oh, so there there's reasons. And there's like, and it just, it was like, man. So then I'm like, okay, let me read. Let's read some stuff from the, the secular, the atheist point of like how, well, and I, so I read like, um, Draw a blank now. McCutcheon, right? Is that his name? And uh, Dawkins, mm-hmm. guys that are are pretty heavy into that and very angry individuals. Seems like, and then I so saw I was reading stuff, and I read God is not dead or God is dead, and I read all a bunch of stuff like that, and I'm and uh, I was reading them and like, man, this is this is not this doesn't sound. There's no substance here <laughs> this is just it's not and at the end of the day you know i kept reading i think i read uh the next lee strobel book that he wrote said the case for the real jesus where he was confronting 
a certain group and and at the end of the, and at the end of it it was like that he was talking a lot about the proof that Jesus was a historical figure and everything else and then I read his sources for all that and at the end of the day it was like it was about right before Easter uh it took me about 8 months I think of just reading nonstop of this stuff and I I finally told the the um those guys that encounter I'm like I, I there's nothing I can research anymore there's nothing this is this is true and I said it's I, I can't be anything else but a Christian this doesn't make any other sense and that was that was there was no like lightning bolts <laughs> there was no like miraculous you know uh rays of light anywhere or anything it was just an intellectual approach to just trying to find the facts facts of what happens. And, and so <laughs> there I was, I'm like, poof. And then I come into Christianity, right. And, and I, I was raised Christian. So, I mean, it really wasn't that I didn't know the Bible or anything. I kind of read the Bible a bunch of times. And so it was almost like I became a mature Christian way sooner because I'd already done all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it was just about living life that way. And, you know, and I and I think it all clicked for sh- like for hard when I became a dad, and when I had my own kids, dude, Christianity itself became such a slap in the face, like holy cow, because in, in, as you know too, Brian, like if you look through the text, it's like he's the heavenly father, so like yeah. he the the father analogy is huge through what we believe, being one. Wrecks every. I mean, it just you are you totally get your soul completely taken up into. I get it, and it's it's just holy cow. I I, I understand now. So my worldview through that whole thing was so dramatically changed because I was willing to look at the facts and because I was willing to look at scholarship. And listening to debates, watching debates, all kinds of them. And then why I went back to Liberty University studying apologetics was because that's what I kept doing. I'm I'm just like that. I I like to intellectually get into debates and lectures and everything else. And I was watching Dr. Lim on YouTube, and it was just like a ray of freaking bolt of lightning hit me in the head, said, I should do this. I could do this. And then 24 hours, I was enrolled and accepted in, in Liberty University as a theology and apologetics s- student. So that whole thing, my, my worldview changed <laughs> over like a course of like a decade from one of skeptics, skepticism and even combative to not even just intellectually seeing it as the truth, but as just ex- just full-blown now defending that faith in a bold and almost forceful manner sometimes because it is it's just it's something i've i just know and it's it's that's just how it's been in my walk it was similar in the sense of you know it was after my youngest was born um i knew who god was um i had come up in a family that didn't really, they talked about God, but they didn't really follow God, right? Like it was, there was a lot of, you know, 
without going into gory details, a lot of, you know, misquoting of scripture and, you know, doing a lot of things that were, were just ridiculous. And, 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 you know, one of the things that really makes me angry about my faith is when someone takes a scripture and takes one sentence out of it and twists it. But, you know, when Dylan came along and it was Caleb, the battle got real for me. Like it really got real. Like, and, you know, I tell the story sometimes, but it, it still shocks me because, and, and I tell people too, don't, don't dismiss your kids. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not developed and they haven't meant, but don't ever dismiss your kids. You know, we were driving along the car and Caleb asked me out loud, he goes, dad, why don't you go to church with us? And I was like, you know, just being dismissive because I didn't really want to get into the conversation. I said, you know, I don't like buildings with steeples. And he didn't say anything else. So the summer went by and then the winter came and Julie and the boys began to attend Encounter where you and I met. And my five or six year old son walked in the house one Sunday and sat on my lap and hugged me, put his arms around my neck. And he goes, it's all right, dad. He goes, I found one that doesn't have a steeple. <laughs> and you didn't have nothing to say about that, did you? It broke me down. <laughs> it, it made me realize that, you know, my son, my five or six year old son sees God. Yeah. What is wrong with me that I don't? Right. That's awesome. um, and, I'm not uh, laughing at you. I'm like, from that day forward, I, I, I was like, all right, I'll go. And, you know, which, you know, Mike, he was so great, you know, and he was, su he was such a, you know, I don't give him as much effort. I won't say your last name, Mike, but you know who you are. Um, Mike was so key to bringing me to peace with my past and telling me it was okay stepping into the future, you know, and what I did from that point on was just try to surround myself with good counsel. Right. And not, I, I, and I wasn't necessarily looking for Christian men. I was looking for wiser men, men who had lived and were living in similar situations to me. And, you know, of course we met and I was attracted to your situation where you were really building on your faith. Like you were in that building phase mm -hmm. and, and I was still playing with Lincoln logs at that point. I was there, but y'all gave me Lincoln logs. Y'all were like, can't give you the Legos yet. <laughs> but, and then I, I, be I began, but it sparked my curiosity, man. I started to learn and I started to see my life in a different view. And it took a long time. I mean, I struggled through a lot of things. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that time because it, I, I feel like looking back, I learned a lot more from that time than I learned from anything else. Um, but that is when I began to recognize how askew my worldview had become, like how broken it had become, you know, but there was something missing. You know, they call it the God shaped hole, right? That was there, you know, and my mission, you know, so many good people uh, I've met over the last 10 years that have just been pivotal in who I am and my faith growing and, you know, as any Christian does, at times I question, is this what we're supposed to be believing? 
but that's where faith comes in, right? So, you know, but and, and make no mistake, I'm not, I'm not, you know, blind to the flaws that are inherent in our faith, not by God, but by the men who call Amen. themselves, you know. Well, that's um, the thing, dude. Uh, and I keep pointing to that because that <laughs> what's key for any church or Christian man or woman is to acknowledge that we're all broken. We're all broken, man. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no difference in value from one to the other. And like, yes, you, you, when you get, when you're saved from the, using Christian verbiage here, like you accept that mantle of like, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now he is the way, the truth of life. You are adopted into his family. You have, you have a special place there, but he's looking for that. Everybody. It's not just you. He's seeking that out for. He's looking for everybody to do that. And, uh, and, and you should never be afraid of where you are in your walk with Christ. Because there's a there's someone out there you can connect with, yeah, or absolutely. or whatever it is, right? I mean, you, there's your the fear of that is from a, 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 a not a good place. Like, a, you know, even though I'm not this PhD scholar researcher for whatever, doesn't mean I can't speak well to the gospel and communicate that to people or whatever. I'm not going to know everything. No way he does. I mean, like there's people, <laughs> the realization here is that there's people that spend their entire lives on just certain books of the Bible. I mean, look, there's a lot in this. Like you ain't going to know all that stuff, but you can know the truth and the reality of salvation and redemption and, you know, <laughs> like forgiveness you can oh man you can you can speak to that anybody who's saved can speak to that and that's what's important okay well we've been going at it for a while reg <laughs> so Look, at, the, at the end of the day everybody has a different worldview and what what we have to acknowledge in order to communicate across those worldviews and I'll put it in a way that some of the apologetic professors have said, you got to step in their circle, be there, talk to them there, then, then work your way out. Don't just come in there and go, well, the Bible says this, 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 this. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're work. not going to look. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't work at all. Be a real freaking human. Yeah. Just, 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 just be a human, man. I mean, you know, um, there's a time and place to be, forceful and abrupt and like bold but there's also a time and a place to ask questions to live life with other people who don't see the world the same way as you and to really work to make both of you better there's that's the key it's not look there's a time for some things and you'll you'll everybody will hopefully get to this point where there's a moment when you know you just made a difference it could be a small thing and we have to keep in mind that from and this is for all the christian people the way the world sees events and things as huge and big that have that's what's to be celebrated that's not the same for god 
God, if he knows every hair on your head, even the smallest little detail is important and matters. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a garbage man who's who's struggling to has a marriage that's on the rocks. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO and you know you're an intellectual superior and that you know you can't see any I mean look there's little differences that matter. And there's everyone has a shot to find the truth and the reality that God has presented this universe. It's all there. And it's not it's not some witch doctor nonsense and fanciful stuff. There's historical, factual things that illuminate the Bible and Jesus and his teachings that anybody can understand. To piggyback that, I would add on, don't neglect to recognize the greatness in your life. You know, I think we tend to downplay the greatness in our life because we feel some measure of guilt or -hmm. some measure of, of, well, we should hide our happiness and our joy. Um, There's plenty of pain. There's plenty of disappointment in the world. Plenty of failure. But recognizing our greatness, meaning, you know, you have purpose, right? Is everyone's purpose achievable at the same moment? No. Is everyone's purpose the same? No. Your purpose may be to just be the the head of your family and to and to be the stalwart for your your family and be a good person you may be your greatness may be curing cancer we don't know but when we fail to recognize our potential for greatness in our current situation how will you ever recognize a greatness larger than that and so so don't be so quick to to want to be the hero for today. I've said it several times because that's over the next day. If you're driven for a purpose and your purpose is to be as kind and loving and and acknowledging as you can be and to and to go out and get to know people and love people, then man you already got you're already holding one hand with God, right? Because that's that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want me to judge people. He doesn't want me to be upset with people. He doesn't want me to be angry with people. He wants me to show them the same love that he showed me. And that's really the purpose of of my worldview. My worldview is now love people where they're at. That's my worldview. Because if you love them where they're at, you can't be wrong. So anything else, Reg? Any parting, parting comments? If you took all the letters that make up the Wall Street Journal and you threw them up in the air and they landed and created what is the Wall Street Journal, that's the pro- that's the about the same probability that the universe would be created by a random event. They always said it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does That's, to be a Christian. All I'm saying is that, mathematically speaking, yeah. 
we are far beyond in in powers of, of levels of impossibility that this universe was created on a random by randomness. Yeah. There there is legitimately no reason to if you really want to go that way it's it's it falls against everything mathematical to say that. So, I'm just saying if if you can just have a shred of openness to looking at things in a different way, you can find some truth and understand that there's not just it's not just your truth. That can be flawed. There is an absolute truth, and that's what we should seek. Reality. The truth of our existence. Not somebody's agenda, not somebody, but the truth of our existence. And if you can do that, you'll be on the right track. But there's a, I could go on and on about the defense of the faith here, but let, let's just say that I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to making some other discussions and talking about some other things. Um, there'll be more to come. And, uh, as soon as we get a schedule lined out that works, uh, we'll let you know the, there's a website being developed. Uh, I'm working of. on Facebook and Instagram. As yeah, we speak. we're doing, we're doing some of that stuff. So, but for, for now we'll put these up as content and uh, we'll work our way into doing some other things um, as far as that goes. So I guess for now, man, that's it. God bless. Well, agreed. Guys, thank you for listening. And uh, we hope we were helpful to some people. Have a great time. <laughs> Hooray!